In this week's episode of Let's Talk About It, we're going to give our review of the movie Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, a new take on the multiverse. We'll talk about some of our favorite elements of the movie and some of the commentary that this movie is lifting up. And in our relationship segment, we're talking about parental relationships as adult children. What can be so difficult about adult parent-child relationships and how can we move forward healthily? You, you're here. You joined us. Let's talk about it. You joined us for another episode. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> These vocal inflections. You mad? You all right? You mad? You all right? You sound mad. <laughs> I'm just checking on you. You mad? <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. How are you doing, my love? Oh, you know, chilling, kicking it, kicking it one step at a time. <laughs> just gonna throw all the black person phrases out there at once. Oh yeah, you know, try Empty the clip. Just trying to be like you, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to get like you. you know, I'm just a squirrel in your world. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing all right, you know? Excited about this conversation we're about to have today. Oh, yes. are you? Saw this this movie, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you didn't listen to the intro. We're talking about everything, everywhere, all, all at once. Words. That's what we're doing today. This is long overdue. It is. When did this movie come out? I think it's a 2021 special. 2021. Yeah. Gosh, it just—I mean, time is now. It could be a. It could a be a weird or early 2022, but yeah. It feels like it was five years ago. It was not. I can assure you. <laughs> the way time works now. <laughs> I can assure you that it was not. Well, as we always say, if you are someone who does not want spoilers, you should probably fast forward. Get off the bus, kids. <laughs> um. Because we're definitely going to spoil this movie. Every part of it. Um, but I'm really excited because this is a movie that we went to go see in theaters, then purchased on Apple. Which, if anyone is familiar about purchasing movies on Apple, it is no small feat. So, because <laughs> for recent releases, they don't bring the price no. down. Well, yeah, and good movies. Yeah, for good movies like this. Down. So... We so paid this, the this, whole twenty dollars. This movie came out in March of this year, by the way. March of this year yeah, it does not seem like it was then, but yes, it was March of this. It year. It feels like I went through a whole master's program since the movie. <laughs> it does came. feel like it was a while ago. I don't know about a whole master's program, but you know, whatever. Oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> well, good. It, it's it's not too long. It's ago. not too long. It feels. It just feels. That's the good news. So, quick review. Once again, spoiler. This is not spoiler proof. So, yep. if you haven't seen the movie, turn away. Um, so, it's about this Asian-American family. I guess we don't really know from what part of Asia. I don't think that. I don't that, think they make that clear. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that was ever overtly They confirmed. did. I think they were celebrating Chinese New Year there. So, maybe they were Chinese. Maybe that was just. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I conflated that, though, with, um, I don't know why I thought they were celebrating, like, the anniversary of the laundry mat or something. 
Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> why would they invite people over? I don't know. Anyway, uh, so this family owns a laundromat. Um, it's a. I guess the daughter of this family is a first generation, mm-hmm. um, but they've moved here from China, opened this laundromat, and to what appears to be medium to no success. <laughs> medium to no success, indeed. Um, Evelyn and Waymond were yes. having a, a rough time. And we join, we're joining the Wongs as they are getting ready to go to a IRS audit the meeting. Wangs, babe. No, I think it's the Wongs. It's the Wangs. No, because that's what the IRS lady kept calling them. Mm. Mr. and Mrs. Wang. That was the whole. According to IMDb. Let me go. Okay, go ahead. Um, <laughs> this is really riveting podcast stuff, guys, I know. <laughs> um, so they're in the middle of getting ready to go to a IRS audit. Um, we learn that Evelyn's father is living with them. Um, we learned that their daughter is a lesbian and is bringing her partner to meet her family. Good old Becky. Uh, but they're trying to hide that that's her partner from her grandfather, who apparently is very, allegedly is very old fashioned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Never heard him say anything about that, but nope. everybody's just assuming. <laughs> um, they go to the IRS audit and on their way up the elevator, her husband suddenly takes off his glasses and gives her a message from the future about some things that are getting ready to happen and to be ready for them. Uh, uh, uh. Actually, it's technically not from the future. It's You're from right. the present in another. I'm sorry. He lets her know some things that are getting ready to happen and to be ready. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> um, and she's confused. She doesn't know what's happening. I don't even really know if she fully accepts what's happening. No, I don't think yeah. at that point she did. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to find a short way to, t- to, to give you the, the plot synopsis, but... Um, Waymond from another universe um, gives her the heads up, and eventually uh, Waymond gets the message to her. They meet up in a, in a closet that uh, it is up to her that he's been looking for a version of Evelyn that can help them take take down Jobu Tupaki. Jobu Tupaki, who is going through the multiverse and wreaking all sorts of ha- havoc. <laughs> Um, man, there's some really like subtle points that would really be good to spend time with, but we could be doing this for 20 minutes. So, That's true. um, uh, so finally Evelyn, you know, after a series of events, uh, after some fighting, after some <laughs> other random <laughs> randomness is starting to, to, uh, grasp that this Waymond is not her Waymond. This is a much different Waymond from a different place mm-hmm. in a different time. Mm-hmm. Um, that is trying to help her navigate all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to figure out where I, what I can cut out to keep going. It's it's hard. I wish I could help. It you. sounds nuts. It, I, I can't read your mind. Seeing so this out loud in my head, and it sounds nuts without a whole lot of context. <laughs> it really does. It really does. Um. So Evelyn, um, is it worth maybe pivoting to who we discover Jobu Tupaki is? At this point? Sure. So, uh, Evelyn and Wayman's daughter, Joy. Um, let's go to the Evelyn and Joy dynamic. They have a very strained relationship at mm, best. To say the least. <laughs> um, and so we find out that Jobu Tupaki is Joy mm-hmm. in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. So, jo- Jobu Tupaki is out here wreaking havoc basically because her mother is her mother. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. in all universes. And I wonder if we could say what kind of havoc she's wreaking, because I think that is what is intentionally vague. Mm-hmm. Well, about, what havoc is being wreaked, Micah? I think there are layers of said havoc. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> apparently, Jabutupaki slash Joy is mm-hmm. jumping from universe to universe, um, either overtaking people's bodies slash just killing people. Well, she's she's taking over her. She's taking over her versions of herself in each mm-hmm. universe, but, but it's has, not super clear what she's yeah. doing after she does that. Yeah, um, It seems like she's going through killing Evelyn's. Yes, but there's some impact that it's having on everyone else. Well, there's, I think she has some people that are working for her or with her because she's Jopu Tupaki. Got you. And so she's, she's turning folks into minions. Yes. <laughs> during the process of killing yes. the versions of Evelyn yes. slash her mother yes. in these other universes. Yes. Um, and so back to your synopsis. This is what Alpha Waymond mm-hmm. is trying to recruit this mm-hmm. Evelyn in our movie yes. to help him with is to hopefully be the one Evelyn who will not be taken over by Jobu mm-hmm. Tupaki, but will actually defeat Jobu yes. Tupaki. And so they have figured out a way to access the skills and capacities of versions of themselves from other universes. Mm-hmm. It involves them usually doing some strange act <laughs> that opens the gateway so that they can connect to this other version of themselves, yes. and then they can use their skills. So, for example, Evelyn needs to know some kung fu. She'll... They'll look it up in the computer, see what part of the multiverse that person is in, mm-hmm. and they'll tell her, hey, you need to go lick a doorknob Ugh. to open up the gateway. That happens, and then she is able to then access the skills and abilities of the master of that martial art. Indeed. Um, and so Evelyn eventually figures out that the only way that she's going to be able to take on Jopu Tupaki is to do what Jopu Tupaki does and be able to access anything she wants at any time. Mm -hmm. So she just starts doing random stuff (laughs) and randomly (laughs) accessing different universes uh, or different multiverse versions of herself. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is a bunch of hilarity. This sounds nuts, guys, but it is (laughs) very well done. And it looks way better than I'm explaining. It really, it. there's no way to explain it. It really it is. It really, there's some things you just you try to tell somebody about a television there. show, and you're like, I'm not even. Just watch the trailer. It's gonna <laughs> do better, better than me. Um. So, what starts to happen is Evelyn kind of starts to fracture herself. Yeah. Um. Where she's not really present in any one place. She's kind of experiencing everything all at, all once. at once. Um. <laughs> and so we learn that. This is also part of Joy's plan. She wants somebody that understands, or excuse me, that Jobu Tupaki's plan is to have somebody else that is experiencing what she's experiencing and might be able to help her navigate it. But we find out that no one could help her. And not even Evelyn can help her. Mm. Is that what we find out? Mm, we'll find out, kids. More on that shortly. More on that shortly. <laughs> um, so then we find out uh, there's this everything bagel that Jopu has created. Mm-hmm. She put literally everything, all of the pain, anguish, everything into a bagel. And what it taught her is that nothing matters. Nothing even matters at all. And so she's trying to get Evelyn to believe in this, that nothing matters. Um, long story short. God, there's so much more to this story. But there is a very poetic ending that's yes. just perfectly laid Give us the up poetic for you right ending. here. 
Long story short, mm-hmm. what we discover through Tobak, uh, to, uh, Jobu Tapaki's attempt to show Evelyn that nothing matters mm. is that Evelyn is once again reminded that all that matters is joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the movie ends with this very beautiful moment where now that Evelyn and Joy have both been able to experience everything Mm -hmm. everywhere all at once Mm -hmm. by tapping into each version of themselves in every single multiverse Mm -hmm. version of themselves. They arrive at this point in the present universe where Evelyn could choose to respect Joy's request to not bother her and to leave her alone. Mm -hmm. But Evelyn decides to say, you know, I could choose to be anywhere or everywhere right now, but I actually choose to be here with you. Yeah. And so that is the poetic ending is that the choice to be in a single moment with the person you love actually heals the deepest rift between you. Yes. Thank you for wrapping that up. So (laughs) So that's a cool place to start. I mean, she, she looks at it and, you know, once she figures out that Evelyn has figured out how to do what she does, Mm -hmm. her whole thing is, well, when you can't be present, you'll forever be not present in any one moment, but experiencing everything at the same time. And you'll come to the conclusion that I came to that nothing, nothing matters. matters. Um, and so, yeah, there's a very, there's a very um, powerful theme here of being present mm-hmm. that I think is just strong throughout the whole film. I mean, Evelyn is very focused on um, this audit that's happening and, what she needs to do to make sure that they can keep their business and keep their home. Well, they actually live in their, they live upstairs mm-hmm. lodging mat. So keep their business, keep and their home, home. Yeah. Um, and be able to do what they need to do. Um, but she's missing a lot of things in her, in her life mm-hmm. and the things that are surrounding her. Yeah. And I think the, the presentness theme of the movie has, has two layers that the movie plays with very well. So Mm -hmm. what we didn't say just yet is that the movie moves through three chapters. The Mm -hmm. first one, you know, and it's the the three chapters coincide with the title. So the first one is um, everything. um, And then the second chapter is everywhere. And then the last chapter is the shortest. It's only Mm -hmm. about 10 minutes long Mm -hmm. and that's all at once. And so this, this idea of presentness is being expressed as location as time, but also as an emotional connection. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought that was just really poetic for the movie to play with, Mm -hmm. um, especially through the metaphor of, okay, what would it, what, what would happen to human relationships if we could be everything everywhere and all at once? Mm -hmm. Um, Would it turn out to be the case that we would find no meaning in anything Mm -hmm. or would love still prevail yeah and you know if if you're someone who doesn't like the cheesy cliche kind of ending this is a a cheesy cliche kind of ending but it is very beautifully done so spoiler alert love does prevail (laughs) but the way that (laughs) the way that it's it's expressed at the end oh my goodness it it brought me to tears yeah i evelyn is really she feels a lot of pressure i think pressure to live up to her you know being being her father's daughter Mm -hmm. pressure to be success pressure to be a good mother be a good wife but all of that kind of blinds her to 
the positive things that she has going on. She's very focused on this audit, the negative things that are happening, the negative aspects of her husband mm. um, that she does not does not appreciate <laughs> the things that are around her. And one of them is, I think, a, a, a interesting theme of, of the movie is in her relationship with Raymond. She definitely or Wayman. She definitely feels like she's on her own. Mm. Definitely feels like I'm the only one that really cares. That's really putting forward the effort. But there's there's several examples. Like for, at, when they're first in the audit, the first audit meeting, um, the IRS lady who's played by Jamie Lee Curtis is ready to to throw them out and give up, take all their assets. But while, um, but while Evelyn is off in her own mind, in her own dream world, whatever, mm-hmm. Wayman has a conversation with her. She's like, he's like, all right, we'll we'll come back tomorrow. And Evelyn's like, what? What did you do? What did you say? What did you do? She didn't say. No, she said, what did you do? What did you do? Yeah. And then the same thing happens later at the end when they're supposed to go back after this audit meeting to give them their results. Um, They don't end up going. Mm -hmm. And the IRS lady shows up with the police and they're about to take all their stuff. And Evelyn kind of blacks out, takes her bat, starts destroying stuff in in the laundromat. And then Wayman pulls the IRS lady aside. Talks to her. It's like, all right, she'll give us a little more time. She's like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Not how did you do that or thank you. It's like, what did you do? <laughs> and, but I mean, as, as silly as the moment is, it's another play on Evelyn's inability to be in the present, mm-hmm. right? And so Wayman's superpower, which he later describes for himself as another ver- as another universe version of himself later on in the movie his superpower is is kindness and presentness yeah and he actually says you know people think that i'm this weak you know pushover mm-hmm. but i'm actually very intentional in fighting with kindness yeah it's the best weapon i've got yeah and so it's it's just a really beautiful tension in their relationship is that you got evelyn is this Kind of, she's got some edginess to her. You can tell that she's pretty flighty, not really ever present in a moment. And then Waymond, on the other hand, is is presented as this kind of whimsical, almost childlike character. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he demonstrates at several key moments in the movie that his ability to stay present yeah. is actually what saves them. Absolutely. And there's a, also that scene at the very end where she's kind of fighting uh, the minions trying to get to Joe Putupaki. Mm-hmm. Um And she's done it her own way up to this point where she's used Kung Fu or used whatever ability she had. But at the end, she kind of looks at Wayman and says, I'm going to fight like you fight. And she instead mm. gives people, it's hard to describe, but she gives people what they need. Yeah. Like yeah. one guy's angry, comes up to her, he like cracks his, his neck and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> So it's like instead so of he needed a chiropractor, right? <laughs> so instead of going the hard route with, which is the way that she's done it, she did it Wayman's way, mm-hmm. and was able to get to Joe Butapaki and which the resolve of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I do want to spend a little time talking about what created Joe Butapaki because mm-hmm. um, I thought that was a really, um, just a really cool kind of play on a coming to age story. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think. What I what I think the screenwriter was kind of playing with is the natural progression of development through like your early 20s. Right. Mm -hmm. This is a time in life stages when you're trying to differentiate yourself from Mm -hmm. your family of origin. Not not as 
you know, most of the time, not as this kind of malicious, oh, I don't want to be associated with y'all. But it's a very necessary part of our development where we come into our own sense of identity, our own sense of values, our own sense of, you know, preferences. And so this is the life stage that I think joy is in. Mm. And there's also, like you said earlier, there's also some strain in her relationship with her mom. Yeah. Because as we've seen, Evelyn is not someone who's been very present. Yeah. And so I think the combination of joy being in the life stage of really being focused on identity differentiation Mm -hmm. and the understandable angst that she feels toward her mom for not being emotionally present, that that is actually what creates joy. uh, I'm sorry, Joe, Joe Butupaki. And so you see, um, trying to think of, there was a moment toward the end. No, no, no. It's in the second chapter when Jobu Tupaki introduces Evelyn to the Everything Bagel. Mm-hmm. Right. And she says something like, you know, I've been in Joy's body. I've experienced what it feels like to be your daughter and to, to feel what it feels like to have a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And I know that pain. And so I think that's when Jobu actually tells us this is what created me. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that was a very interesting kind of context for um, for kind of the metaphor of of what Jobu Tupaki is. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to look at the the Evelyn and Joy dynamic. Mm-hmm. What you know when you have a in this case a, a mother who's there but not there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a, a mother who's very focused on success and survival. Really, survival, I think, is the big thing that, that That's she's, the she's fighting for. And it showed up in either being consumed in regret or mm-hmm. constantly worrying about the future. Yeah. Like, it was it was either or yeah. for Evelyn. Yeah. It's, it, so we learn um, during the movie that um, Wayman came to, uh, or not came to, but they were, they were going to get married and basically right. leave... Um, China, where they had grown up and moved to America to to get a better life for themselves, mm-hmm. um, and we learn by the end of the movie that the father just kind of let her let her go, didn't really fight, yeah, didn't really do anything about it, um, and so you see her kind of take the opposite approach approach with Joy, where she well, I don't even know if I want to say it's opposite, but she's really holding on tightly to Joy, mm. um, and not really allowing her to to come up to to learn about herself to to come out and be her own person hmm. uh, but at the same time she won't give her she, i think the big thing is that she just won't give her space yeah and it's interesting because the way that she's not giving joy space is by being hypercritical yeah but the ways that joy wants evelyn to connect with her is by affirming her sexuality and her relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just, it's interesting, right? Cause it's like, it's, it's too much of mom yeah. and also too little of mom yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Well, I, I think it all stems up to the fact that she's not willing to stand up to her father. Evelyn, right? Evelyn is not right. willing to stand up to her father. So I think even, even Evelyn, I don't want to, I don't know if she's accepting, but she's not, it doesn't seem like she's against her, her daughter's sexuality. No. But they're very hyper focused on making sure that her, her grandfather does not know about right. this and doesn't have to deal with it. So I think this all comes back to the fact that she does not, 
she has not stood up to her father and really expressed how she felt about the situation with when she got married to Wayman and left, how that affected her. Right. And in the, the, that right is how easily gone, gone. Yeah. Let go of her. Yeah. Right. There's a moment where she's like, I don't, I don't know how you let go of me so easily, yeah. but I'm not going to do that to joy. Yeah. Um, and so that that's that's a very interesting part of the the mother daughter dynamic in this in this movie is that what actually disrupts the relationship between Evelyn and Joy is what was broken in Gong Gong and Evelyn's relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought what was really beautiful too is in that moment when Evelyn is standing up, you know, finally to Gong Gong, her father. She says, you know, the thing that is healing me, I'm kind of paraphrasing, the mm-hmm. things that, that is healing me is having a person who loves everything about me yeah. in every moment. And, you know, the camera kind of pans to Waymond. And she then says, you know, and I'm so grateful that Joy also has that. Yeah. And the camera pans over to Becky, yeah. Joy's girlfriend. And so once again, you know, the the commentary that the movie is making is there's so much of life and the versions of wounding in life that fractures us Mm -hmm. into either worrying about the future or into being obsessively regretful about the past. Mm -hmm. But what anchors us to the present is actually those people Mm -hmm. who can love everything about us at any time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting that being anchored in the present. I mean, you look at Joe Butapaki very focused on the past hurts. Oh Yeah. Um, But she's also doing it in isolation. Like she's not, Mm. she doesn't really have anybody to really help process things, help Mm -hmm. her deal with this. Whereas Evelyn has those things, but she's not, she's not embracing them. She's not paying attention to them. Right. Um, Right. So they're both really experiencing the same thing. Yeah. Um, Evelyn is in isolation kind of self. Purposefully. Purpose. I don't even, I I think Evelyn's is more accidental. I don't think she's trying to be, Mm. but she's so. Hyper focused and narrowly focused that um, she ends up isolating herself. Whereas Jopu, I think, is more purposefully. Oh yeah, I had it backwards. Yeah, yeah. more pu- more purposeful in her isolation because mm-hmm. she has a, the one focus of I just want to get back at this woman who's hurt me, and I've experienced her hurts in all these other multiverses. Well, what's interesting is I don't think it was revenge that was motivating her, mm-hmm. right? Because when we in the moment that we're introduced to the everything bagel. Um, later on in the chapter, Joy, uh, Jobu Tupaki says, you know why I created the everything bagel? Cause I, I thought that this would be the one thing that would end all the pain. Mm. And so I think what was misunderstood about Jobu Tupaki throughout the whole, you know, kind of hypothetical saga that Alpha Waymond was kind of telling Evelyn about was that Jobu was doing this out of revenge and that she Mm. was trying to purposefully like find every Evelyn and destroy. Um, But what we find out is that what Jobu Tupaki was just trying to do was to just get rid of the pain. She, Mm -hmm. she had figured out how to be everywhere and everything. And so she was just trying to disappear. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so what she discovered was, that she actually couldn't get rid of the pain by yeah. putting everything on the bagel. And so that's why it's so poetic that Evelyn actually ends up telling Jobu Tupaki, you know, what actually answers the pain is being present with one another in love. It's not, it's not being destructive to no end. Yeah. And then you find that, that the real cool scene where they are both rocks 
Oh my god. Finding universe where they're both rots and they're just sitting there in silence. Yo. And then you kind of see the dialogue, but you can't hear them say anything. It's just the dialogue boxes. <laughs> that that was unexpectedly a tearjerker for real. Uh-huh. Right? Because again, like this movie really leans into the metaphor. So the idea that you're rocks together. Mm-hmm. Is like you have no ability to move, no ability to communicate, uh-huh. right? And so the first time we see them as rocks together, it's it's this very beautiful kind of finally understanding one another. Yeah. Because Evelyn says to Joy, you know, dang, you know, I've been doing all this stuff and I found out like all we end up being is like crappy humans. Yep. And Joy, Joy is like, yeah, that's kind of what being human is all about. Uh-huh. And so there's this beautiful, like, you know, the words come up on the screen of them just laughing together. Uh-huh. But then when we meet them as rocks again later, it's a moment where, you know, Evelyn has discovered how to be everything and everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. So even as a rock, she's able to move. Mm-hmm. And so she starts moving toward Joy. Yeah. And Joy, you know able to be everything and everywhere as well she starts moving away and so she jumps off of a cliff as a rock Mm -hmm. and evelyn jumps after her yeah right and so there's this beautiful you know expression of even as a rock not being able to move not being able to talk i will still pursue you just to be with you and i was just like bro Y'all not about to be having me crying over some rocks on the screen. (laughs) But they did. They did. I mean, they really, so, like, you know, they are talking more about kind of the cinematography and some Mm -hmm. of the visual elements of the movie. They really played on, I mean, it it felt like some of the action scenes and stuff felt very similar, like, to, like, Kill Bill. Oh, that's a good point. Like, the way they were shooting it, some of the way that they interpreted movements, it really felt a lot like the Kill Bill movies with with the fight scenes. Um and it was like they, um, it's it, they. It felt like pacing wise in those scenes as well, kind of like anime as well. It did, yeah. Um, yeah. As much as something That's like that can of. feel like anime. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I feel I, I like that they really they kind of doubled down on some of the cultural aspects of the they, movie. Yeah. Um, you know, say you know a, a Chinese American family, um, you know fighting and for the most case using martial arts mm-hmm. uh, but they really leaned into some of those cultural elements when very, they did this movie yeah and and just the use of color as yeah. well very solid um even you know going back to the the um the scene where we discover the everything bagel you know they shot all of that in black and white with yeah. this kind of ceremonious attire that everyone mm-hmm. was wearing so it felt very reverent almost as if they were you know worshiping the bagel mm-hmm. right but the the spaciousness of using white and black mm-hmm really did kind of draw you into just paying attention to joy and evelyn in yeah. those scenes as the focal point yeah but then anytime outside of the scene with the everything bagel where we were seeing Jobu Tupaki, it's just very colorful, very explosive. Yeah. Um, and so there's this sense of, of chaos yeah. whenever, you know, we experience Jobu Tupaki interacting with the multiverse. Um, so I really appreciated them kind of communicating that contrast between, you know, what was happening in the moments where, Jobu Tupaki was just kind of left to her own devices. So that very colorful chaoticness. Mm-hmm. But then in moments where she was with Evelyn, it was either that white and black ceremonious kind of scene or for the most part, 
you know, they were in a frame together, kind of isolated from everything. So it was kind of communicating this, you know, idea that the real work of emotional growth that Jobu Tupaki was doing was always going to be with Evelyn, with her mother. Yeah. I also appreciate how this movie, it took a very complicated subject like the multiverse, mm. something that I think it's been covered in other movies in different ways, but mm-hmm. it, it felt it felt a little bit easier to digest here. It did somehow. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it, I think it was it, the the playfulness of it. I think is what took care of that because mm-hmm. really, really, all they said to us was, "Okay, you have these Bluetooth headsets. When you mm-hmm. put them on, <laughs> you can somehow hear from this control center that will let you tap into the skills of the same version of yourself in another universe." Yeah, like that felt very digestible to me. Yeah. Anything else mm. would hit on from this movie? Let me see. Let me, let me look through my notes. Yeah, I mean, I I think what, what I would end with is I definitely do recommend that folks see this movie. It's, yeah. it's the poetry of it was just really, really refreshing. And I mean, honestly, anyone can relate to this kind of becoming an adult with your parents, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of storyline. Yeah. And I think that course is all throughout the movie and made it really relatable. But underneath that surface layer is this exploration of what fractures people yeah, and what brings people back to the present and back to healing. Yeah. And it's, it's just very well done. Yeah, I agree. Everybody go see it. Everything, <laughs> everywhere, everywhere, all, all at once. once. I almost wanted to give a spoiler, but I'm not going to do it. Well, we already gave a bunch. There's one. There's a thing that happens that when we saw it in the theaters, I was pissed off. What? Okay, now you have to say it. There's a fake. There's what feels like a fake ending, and you feel like the movie's oh. about to end. And I was pissed in the theaters. Like, <laughs> I think we what? both shouted at the screen. What? <laughs> I want my money back right now. Can't believe they did this to us. But it was not the real. Ending it was not the, the real ending, and we made it out alive. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no tables were flipped. <laughs> so Evelyn and George's relationship in this movie really got us thinking about this next topic that we're going to talk about. Yeah, and that's adult child relationships. And really, you can look at um, you know Gong Gong's relationship with Evelyn as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but navigating parental relationships as adult children Ooh. is challenging. <laughs> Very well said, yeah. That when the dynamics of your relationship change, when it's no longer the hierarchy is is no longer clear. Yeah, well, I yeah. Mhm. <laughs> it's, it's pretty clear when you're the child and you're it gets muddy when you become a teenager, it gets muddy when you go to college and then it gets just weird after you've moved out yeah. and started your own household. Yeah. Yeah. And and so the the movie really did play on like, okay, I'm an adult now. Mm-hmm. I also, I want you a part of my life, mm-hmm. but not through all the criticism. Yep. <laughs> but hey, here is this really important person to me. And uh-huh. I would love for you to show enthusiasm and affirming her and welcoming her. But you're not doing that. So now I kind of don't want to spend a whole lot of time around you. Mm-hmm. You know, so that that dynamic between Joy and Evelyn was just like, it was, it was like, wow, this is really relatable. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about like, adult parent child relationships 
what besides what we said so far feels hard about that? Um, well, I think one of the things is, is hard is is finding a way to honor your own independence while still honoring your parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, being true to what you believe, what your values are, but not wanting to to do that at the expense of them. Yeah. Right. So um, uh, a more humorous example is when you come back home from college for the first time mm-hmm. and your parents have a curfew. I ain't really had a curfew <laughs> for the right, last right. eight months. <laughs> I'm 19 years old. I'm technically an adult. Like I should be able to do what I want to do, but I'm still living in your roof. Yeah. So how do I navigate that? And it, it gets more difficult as you get older, you have your own family, you have your own priorities and mm-hmm. things like that. And so we have a really, it can be really difficult for adult children to be like, this is the boundary that I'm setting. Yeah. This is how I am going to do things. Even if it does not align with how you would do things. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I know for for my family, what happened was if you were still under my roof, mm-hmm. you still follow my rules, mm-hmm. <laughs> which to me, I mean, I, you know, I'm a rule follower. That's my personality. Unless the rule doesn't make sense. Then I'm just, <laughs> I'm a little rebellious. Uh-huh. Um, but so that, that felt like a very easy kind of decision for me, mm-hmm. you know, getting into my 20s and coming back home from college. Like, okay. Yeah, I didn't have a curfew while I was at school, but I'm at my mom's house for the next two, six weeks. I guess I'm going to be coming home at 10, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of that is kind of taken care of with the desire to, like, just honor. Like, yeah, I know it's inconvenient, um, especially since I'm in my 20s now and I'm able to make decisions for myself. But out of honor, I'm going to respect, you know, your rules and boundaries. Mm-hmm. So how does that get more difficult? You know, I'd give an example of a a little bit more of a comedian example. How does that get more difficult as an adult, as a married, as a married woman, as Mm -hmm. a, you know, person who's been on your own for much longer? Yeah, I was trying to think of that. I mean, I think in situations where, you know, once you're at, once you're from under your parents' roof and Maybe you've developed some political values or some religious values that are very different from your parents. And just the act of talking about them Mm. feels like disrespect to your parents. But you're in a stage of life where it's fulfilling to think out loud about what you believe and to declare what you believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's where a lot of tension ends up coming up. Right. You end up around the table together on the holidays and. You just watch the same news segment that your parents did, and you don't really think what they think about uh, what came on that news segment. So yeah. you're sitting there like, should I say what I think I'm going to say? Mm-hmm. And a lot of us have decided to say what we think we're going to say. And now you're not talking to your mom for a couple weeks after the holiday, <laughs> you know? So I think those are moments where that gets really difficult. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Any others that you can think of, like... Where that tension of, okay, do I choose to honor? I think it comes up a lot in how people raise raise their children. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's an easy one, yeah. You know, the most obvious example is like corporal punishment. Oh, yeah. You know, previous generation, that was, that's just what we did. Mm-hmm. That's the only way to keep these kids in line. And now, you know, with more research, with more scientific findings, we've learned that that is probably not the right way to do things. And 
Although we may have survived it, we did not thrive in those environments. Oh, that's a word. Um, so I think that's a you know parenting. I think brings up a lot of that as well because yeah. I think it's hard to watch parents watch their kids parent differently, and they're just like, yeah. Oh, I would have done that. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you're doing that right? Because you know, I did this, and look how you turned out. You did art now. I'm just yeah. saying. <laughs> and I think when I have heard folks. When I have heard parents of adult children be honest about what they felt in those moments, mm-hmm. I've heard people say, you know, that seeing their children make a conscious decision to parent different than they did mm. brings up some kind of guilt emotions, mm. you know, some maybe even some shameful emotions, right? Because then you, you as a parent start asking questions about, well, goodness, did like did I do some damage? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, as a, as a quick tangent, I, you know, what I hope that every parent of an adult child would be able to kind of say to themselves and accept for themselves is that they did the best they could with the tools that they had. And their children who are adults now have a whole different set of tools. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean you know, by them having a different set of tools that, you know, you as a parent of an adult child are like a bad person or yeah. like that you, you know, were just this damaging impact. You know, it doesn't mean that necessarily. It just means you you had a whole different set yeah, of tools. Absolutely. Right? And so I think it's it's therapeutic and healing to be able to say to your adult child, you know, look, I know that by me not having these particular tools and skills, I had this negative impact on you and I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. but I did the best I could. Yeah. Here's how I would love to move forward. Or, you know, what is it that you would like for me to know about how you experienced that as a child and like being willing to listen um, rather than kind of getting swept up in the guilt or the shame of it. Yes. This is kind of the reverse example, but in the movie, there's a scene where Evelyn is like kind of coming to this realization about her relationship with her daughter and all these things that she's proudly presenting her, um, her daughter and her partner to her, her father. Mm -hmm. And Evelyn, I mean, um, joy runs out and Evelyn goes after her. She's like, look, I'm glad you're getting through all this and that you've come to these realizations, but I'm still like, basically she's like, I'm still hurting. (laughs) And so that's kind of like where that dynamic, it's where that dynamic is similar. Mm -hmm. It's like, I'm glad that you have all this enlightened enlightenment, but I just want to remind you that you are my child and you and you are, have done quite well for yourself the way I raised you. So ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's, it's layered, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's the tension of like being grateful for the goodness, the, <laughs> the difficulty of raising us. Right. Yeah. And, you know, all the things that we've been able to benefit from because of that uh-huh. and holding that intention with there were some things that our parents just didn't know yeah. when they were raising us. And, and that did have an impact on us. And it's OK to, like, hold both of those at the same time. Mm-hmm. It was there's a, a a video on uh, social media. It's it's um, this older black mother. She's a woman acting like an older black mother. Stay with her kids. <laughs> She's like, so y'all don't go to church on Sundays anymore. <laughs> I've seen so that all one. that all that stuff I did on Sunday to get y'all ready for church and raise y'all to church, y'all just y'all just let all that go, huh? <laughs> she like okay, tightening up her robe. Uh-huh. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we talked about the difficulty of kind of 
coming into a different set of values and beliefs mm-hmm. as an adult child. We've talked about the the difficulty that a that parents of adult children, yeah. you know, can experience when they notice the conscious choices that their adult children are making to kind of parent or or just be different adults. Yeah. Um, but I also want to end with just talking about what is it that we can look forward to, right? Because it's not all bad. It's, it's not, not all. It is not. not all stressful holiday conversations as yeah. adult children. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I think I've really appreciated just about my relationship with my mom, with my grandmother, um, is the friendship that we've been able to develop. Like. Mm-hmm. There's just been these really cool moments where we've been able to laugh together and just appreciate each other's personalities as adults. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's something that like, man, I like I see some teenagers that are like in that really tense phase with their parents. And I'm like, man, look, you just give it like seven and a half more years mm-hmm. and y'all about to be chopping it up and like having the best time on the phone. I promise. Yeah. I promise. I think. I think that's something that's unique to your relationship with your mom. I don't think all of us have yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think everybody can turn that switch to, oh, we like friends now. Like, I no. know. Sometimes that's where the dynamic falls apart. It's like you want to be friends and your parents are like, no, 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 no. You still my child. You still my child, so relax. I know. You, you still in grow folks' business. What are you supposed to be? Relax. But there, there are some, there's there are some, some moments. Yeah, there's moments. There's moments of friendship, yeah. I think. Um, but I wouldn't say the... Um, the power differential is still there with no. with me and my and my mom and my grandma. Like mm-hmm. they very much still like get that respect and like there's a line yeah. in terms of what humor I'm going to yeah. use with them or you know. So yeah. yeah, I don't think it's like I'm not one of your little friends. Yeah, still not one of your. They're little certainly friends. not one of my little friends, <laughs> yeah. and they they aren't boo boo the fool either. Right. You know, it's important to to make sure we point that out. I think another thing to look forward to is I think I've had those moments where I get a new appreciation for my parents as an adult. Like mm-hmm. some of the things that they tried to tell me that I couldn't see. And now yeah. as an adult, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. And so being able to look at your parents and say, you know what? You were right about that. Even if you never say it, sometimes it's, a, it's the way you relay a story back to them or yeah. you say something back to them. Um, you just kind of look back and say, all right, you did have my best interest at heart when you said that. <laughs> and sometimes it is good to go and say that. I'm it just is. Saying. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's been some moments where I've like called my mom and apologized for mm-hmm. just a particularly stressful moment that I've yeah. caused her. <laughs> it's just like being able to say to our parents, you know, yep, I can appreciate what you were trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> I think something that's an offshoot of what you just talked about, the friendship with your parents is when you come to the realization that that your parents are human. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, especially as younger kids, your parents are superheroes. Like, they do nothing wrong. Everything they do is great. Like, you, you, I, I keep thinking of this example of um kid at school, like, my dad will beat up your dad. Like, <laughs> Stuff like that. So you just think like your parents are per- are infallible, right? Mm. And that and that creates a certain kind of distance from your parents. Like even as you kind of get older, you think you can't go to them and and talk to them about the things that you're going through, and they'll mm-hmm. understand. But when you finally realize that they're human, you relate with them on a much different in a much different way. Yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting too? I think the flip side happens as well. Mm. I think I think as children we depending on whether we've had like 
if we've had really significant scarring moments mm-hmm. with our parents, then we create the character caricature of them on the flip side, right? So instead of a hero, um, you know, we may create kind of this villainous version of them in our minds. Mm-hmm. And I think what happens for some people as they get older is, you know, they don't excuse everything that, you know, that their parent did, but the humanization that happens tends to be that they start learning about the kind of, you know, childhood that their parents had and yeah. they start learning about the kind of mental health that their parents had. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Now that makes sense. Now I can kind of see this fuller picture of you, not mm. just the caricature of you. Yeah. Um, and again, not excusing what happened, but it gives more insight to explain what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael, what did we learn today? I think we learned a lot, Malcolm. I think we did too. I think we did. The first thing we learned was that you should definitely go see Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, the movie. (laughs) Uh, Mainly because it's a great cinematic experience, great respect for, you know, the Asian American cultural experience, um, beautiful uh, use of color, poetic use of metaphor, so all around recommend that movie but what we also learned was some various elements of what it's like to have a relationship with your parents as an adult Mm -hmm. and so we talked about what can be hard about that we also talked about what to look forward to and so I just want to end with giving a quick kind of disclaimer that you know a lot of the things that we described today during the second segment about parent-child relationships are a very narrow view Mm -hmm. of what people can experience and we're not making an all encompassing statement about every single relationship ever. And we realize a lot of people have different, very different experiences with their parents. And so um, just want to make sure that everyone knows we're not shooting on anyone. Absolutely. Just making descriptions of a very narrow Mm -hmm. view of, of life because we're only two perspectives out of billions. Um, So this is, of course, not where the conversation ends. We would love for you to continue it on social media. And so we want to encourage you to use the hashtag TalkAboutItPod um, to just kind of continue the conversation. So let us know what you thought about the movie everywhere, everything, Everything, everywhere, everywhere, all at once. Um, Let us know what you think about adult parent-child relationships, and we'll be sure to get, uh, get that get back to you keep that conversation going so malcolm where can folks reach you on social media on social media you can find me at malcolm d-o-t media that's m-a-l-c-o-l-m dot media on instagram and twitter and micah where can they find you (laughs) you can find me at j marie morgan on twitter and i think i think that's all she wrote Or him or they. Yes. Well, this has been Malcolm Morgan. And this has been Micah Morgan. And you've been listening to Let's Talk About It. We'll see you all next time.